Section 83 of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter 3 Another Form of Combat in the Gulf. Such was the creature in whose power Gilead had been for several moments. This monster was the inhabitant of that grotto. It was the frightful genius of the place, a sort of somber demon of the water. All these magnificences had horror for their center. A month previously, on the day when, for the first time, Gilead had made his way into the grotto, the dark outline of which he had caught a glimpse in the ripples of the water, was this octopus. This was its home. When Gilead, entering that cave for the second time in pursuit of the crab, had perceived the crevices in which he thought the crab had taken refuge, the octopus was lying in wait in that hole. Can the reader picture that lying in wait? Not a bird would dare to brood, not an egg would dare to hatch, not a flower would dare to open, not a breast would dare to give suck, not a heart would dare to love, not a spirit would dare to take flight. If one meditated on the sinister shapes, patiently lying in ambush in the abyss. Gilead had thrust his arm into the hole. The octopus had seized it. It held it. He was the fly for this spider. Gilead stood in water to his waist, his feet clinging to the slippery roundness of the stones, his right arm grasped and subdued by the flat coils of the octopus's thongs, and his body almost hidden by the folds and crossings of that horrible bandage. Of the eight arms of the octopus, three adhered to the rock, while five adhered to Gilead. In this manner, clamped on one side to the granite, on the other to the man, it chained Gilead to the rock. Gilead had two hundred and fifty suckers upon him, a combination of anguish and disgust to be crushed in a gigantic fist whose elastic fingers, nearly a meter in length, are inwardly full of living pustules which ransack your flesh. As we have said, one cannot tear oneself away from the octopus. If one attempts it, one is but the more surely bound. It only clings the closer. Its efforts increase in proportion to yours. A greater struggle produces a greater constriction. Gilead had but one resource, his knife. He had only his left hand free, but, as the reader knows, he could make powerful use of it. It might have been said of him that he had two right hands. His open knife was in his hand. The tentacles of an octopus cannot be cut off. It is leathery and difficult to sever. It slips away from under the blade. Moreover, the superposition is such that a cut into these thongs would attack your own flesh. The octopus is formidable. Nevertheless, there is a way of getting away from it. The fishermen of Sark are acquainted with it. Anyone who has seen them executing abrupt movement at sea knows it. Porpoises also know it. They have a way of biting the cuttlefish which cuts off its head. Hence all the headless squids and cuttlefish which are met with on open sea. The octopus is, in fact, 
vulnerable only in the head. Gilead was not ignorant of this fact. He had never seen an octopus of this size. He found himself seized at the outset by one of the larger species. Any other man would have been terrified. In the case of the octopus, as in that of the bull, there is a certain moment at which to seize it. It is at the instant when the bull lowers his neck. It is the instant when the octopus thrusts forward its neck, a sudden movement. He who misses that juncture is lost. All that we have related lasted but a few minutes, but Gilead felt the suction of the two hundred and fifty cupping glasses increasing. The octopus is cunning. It tries to stupefy its prey in the first place. It seizes, then waits as long as it can. Gilead held his knife. The suction increased. He gazed at the octopus, which stared at him. All at once the creature detached its sixth tentacle from the rock, and, launching it at him, attempted to seize his left arm. At the same time it thrust its head forward swiftly. A second more, and its mouth would have been applied to Gilead's breast. Gilead, wounded in the flank and with both arms pinioned, would have been a dead man. But Gilead was on his guard. Being watched, he watched. He avoided the tentacle, and at the same moment when the creature was about to bite his breast, his armed fist descended on the monster. Two convulsions in opposite directions ensued, that of Gilead and that of the octopus. It was like the conflict of two flashes of lightning. Gilead plunged the point of his knife into the flat, viscous mass, and with a twisting movement similar to the flourish of a whip, describing a circle around the two eyes, he tore out the head as one wrenches out a tooth. It was finished. The whole creature dropped. It resembled a sheet detaching itself. The air pump destroyed, the vacuum no longer existed. The four hundred suckers released their hold simultaneously of the rock and the man. It sank to the bottom. Gilead, panting with the combat, could perceive on the rocks at his feet two shapeless, gelatinous masses, the head on one side, the rest on the other. We say the rest because one could not say the body. Gilead, however, fearing some convulsive return of agony, retreated beyond the reach of the tentacles, but the monster was really dead. Gilead closed his knife. End of chapter 3 Another Form of Combat in the Gulf